Hello and welcome to You Matter. episode 16. It's a really special episode. Um, it's a combined episode with Gronya Dunley and Emma Brockwell, who are involved in all sorts of things to do with women's health. If you're a women's health physiotherapist, then you will undoubtedly have heard their names associated with um, some amazing research, some guidelines about returning to sport after pregnancy, both very, very, very well known and respected names in this field. They also run the At Your Cervix podcast. And so this is a kind of At Your Cervix, You Matter mashup podcast. And we discuss all sorts of things on this episode. We talk about um, really interesting topics within the world of physiotherapy. We're talking about collaboration, when it works, when it doesn't, how you make sure there's something in it for, for both of you or all of you. Uh, we talk about comparison and competition, finding your clinical lane and more importantly, staying in it. Um, we pick our way somewhat nervously through the idea of um, some stereotypically male and female traits um, and, and try to work out where that fits within the, the sort of archetype and identity of a clinician. So all sorts of things. It's an absolutely great chat. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. And as ever, I'd love to hear your feedback um, and, and your thoughts after the episode. So sit back, make yourself a big cup of tea today. Enjoy, and I will see you at the end. Hello, so welcome to what we've decided to call a very special podcast session or episode, and it is At Your Cervix Meets You Matter, and that probably requires a little bit of explanation. Firstly, it means that I am here with the lovely Gronya and Emma from At Your Cervix podcast, and we decided to do this session together after, uh, it was when I'd actually listened to their last episode um, of At Your Cervix or I don't know if it was the last one or maybe the one before that. So Emma and Gronje interviewed Molly Goldbraith and Marika Hart about um, their organisation called Girls Gone Strong and I'll get uh, Emma and Gronje to explain a little bit more about that but it was towards the end of that podcast where um, Molly was talking about the book she'd written and correct me if I'm wrong girls but I think it's called um, Ladies who lift each other up. Is that right? Strong women. Strong women. Yeah. As I said, ladies mm. like, oh, that sounds that right. <laughs> yes. God, she'd hate that, wouldn't she? Sorry, Molly. Strong women who lift each other up. Yeah. Yeah. Strong women um, lift each other up. Strong women lift each other. And I remember her describing how she'd seen a, was it like a banner for um, uh, a talk she was a conference she was at or something and it said strong women and then she just had this vision of strong women lift each other up and it really um resonated with me because some of the journey I've been through um into coaching is actually through a women's organization and it uh, a lot of the things Molly was saying reminded me of the things we've been talking about about women collaborating and um the barriers to that where it's successful where it's less successful 
Um, and so I got straight on and messaged um, Gronia Emma, and Emma and said, well, you know, we should do a, a joint podcast. And Gronia said, that's funny, because we were just saying the same thing mm-hmm. after we'd, we'd come off it ourselves. So we decided that we would get together and talk about this topic sort of in the context of um, women clinicians, but clinicians in general. Is that a fair summary? <laughs> is that is that your guys' recollection? It was a few months ago now, wasn't it? I think that's a very fair summary. And we were planning to talk and plan for about half an hour and it turned into about an hour and a half conversation <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was a few, it was a few months ago um because I had to un- annoyingly reschedule so I'm sorry about that Joe. um oh, but we finally we finally made dates work so um yeah it's really exciting to talk to you and hear more about what you do because I think listeners in our community be really interested to hear about um, what you offer clinicians mm. as well so um, if it's all right if we can cover that as well that would be amazing. yeah yeah let's let's all introduce ourselves because likewise my listeners um, probably have discovered your podcast I hope they have if you haven't then, then go and check it out but yeah if we all introduce ourselves to each other's listeners that's probably helpful isn't it so yeah I'm Joe Turner and I have been a physiotherapist for Oh, when I, when I started this spiel, it was 25 years, I think it's 26 years now, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> and um, I, I've always been a very happy physiotherapist, but there were things in my career that just looking back, I, I wish I'd had more support and encouragement over really. I was always someone that was full of ideas and wanting to start things and um, often did end up starting them off my own back. But I just, looking back, would have liked a bit of kind of wind beneath my wings sometimes. And um, I got to a point in my career about five or six years ago where just a, a whole list of patients all day, for some reason, just suddenly seemed like a mountain to climb that it hadn't seen before. And it was probably... It was probably because there was a lot going on outside of work as well. It was just kind of a perfect storm moment. So I took myself away a little bit um, and did some quite a lot of personal development with this women's organisation, women's leadership organisation. Really enjoyed just being away from physio for a while um, and and focusing on myself, quite frankly, (laughs) and doing some things for myself. Uh, But the more I learned and the more I talked to other women on the uh, on the courses who actually were quite often medical as well I met loads of doctors and lawyers strangely it just occurred to me how much of this stuff was relevant to um, our world as clinicians so I then went on to train as a coach with that organization it's called one of many Um, and even then I thought okay I'm either changing career or having a midlife crisis or something I didn't really know what I was doing with it but I was just really enjoying the coach training And then it just started to dawn on me that, well, you know, the obvious thing is to marry my two worlds. I never hated physio. I just slightly, I just needed a break from it. I needed to look at it a bit more objectively. So I decided I would um, use the coaching to coach clinicians and hopefully, I don't know, I want to say kind of right some of the wrongs, which is absolutely not what I mean. Um, Maybe just try and fill in some of the gaps that I had felt myself and my ultimate aim is to try and create a network of support for all levels of clinicians, ideally from student days right up to well beyond retirement, if you like, so that, you know, wherever you're at, whatever your idea is at, or, or you know, whatever struggles you're having, there's, there's some kind of support 
beyond the 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 mentoring and you know what's your next career move what's the next course you should do which is all relevant but just something a little bit more um a, a bit more general to your to your own well-being so i created um an organization called mehab which offers a combination of coaching uh, conversation, a lot of online conversation and courses. And that's just kind of the start really of my, my vision for this big network. And part of that is also the You Matter podcast, of course. There you go. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> so yeah, would you, do, would you two do the same for my listeners? Just let me know a little bit about how you two came to, to do what you're doing. Yeah. Wow. How brilliant. Um, I'll go first um, because my surname starts with B and yours starts with D. There we go. That's that's a <laughs> nice way to, to, to start, isn't it? Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm, um, my name's Emma um, and I'm um, a pelvic health physiotherapist. And I have been a physio for around about, oh goodness, 15, 16 years. Um, and I, I don't think I did like physio, if I'm honest. Um I think for the first seven or eight years of my career, I felt really uncertain about whether I should continue it as a career because in all honesty, I'd leave clinic most days thinking I wasn't good enough. Um, I didn't compare anywhere near as good to my peers or that's, that was my perception. Um, and I often used to find some days, especially, you know, those days where you just feel like you're not getting anyone better. Mm. Um, it used to really affect my confidence um, when, when I was having days like that. And that would then have a knock-on effect to my, I guess, my personal life as well. So I really, really struggled um, in, in the first eight, seven or eight years of my career. And I probably had quite a lot going on as well, personally. So I suspect, you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just um, physio at, at causing that. Um, and I put a lot of blame on that. Um, I've not really reflected too much as to why I didn't quite it didn't quite fit for me, um, but it just didn't. Um, and that was when I was a musculoskeletal physiotherapist. Um, and then I started looking down the world of women's health um, and I can't really remember what took me down that road exactly I think I had a, an amazing friend um, called Lisa Few who was a women's health physiotherapist and we started speaking about women's health physiotherapy and the way she spoke about it was quite inspiring and I thought oh you know I can maybe make a bit of a difference here so I started to just tip into that world really thanks to her and then I fell pregnant um, and from my pregnancy and then onwards just I don't know you know you just have that light bulb moment things just clicked and the reason I'd always gone into physiotherapy is because I loved working with people and I really wanted to help get people better but I guess for a long time it just hadn't felt that that's what was happening for me whereas in the world of women's health I don't know it just felt like that that final connection had been made um I felt more confident I still have days weeks ask Gronya, where I just I just don't feel like I'm getting it um and I think that's my personality in part um and it is challenging it's challenging for those around me and it's challenging for me um and I think I guess if, if you want to coin it imposter syndrome, I, I suffer terribly from it and I, and I do really struggle with it. Um, so someone like you, Joe, I mean, my goodness, how many times have I said to you, every time I speak to you, I need to talk to you. I, 
need I need some sessions with you and then typically just life is bonkers I have I have two children and, and a stepdaughter and I'm trying to always upskill myself in in the world of pelvic health and do projects amazing projects with Gronya. you know I'm, I'm so lucky that I think in all honesty as well I should say that my passion for pelvic health is driven a lot by working with Gronya because she does inspire me and don't sit there going oh because it's true you know you really do inspire me you make me think you challenge me sometimes too much um and and it's and it's it's I'm very lucky because I have that that world of clinical clinical work but I also have a different world now where we run at your cervix um we do I've done some research led by Gronya and I do some social media stuff as well so I've got lots of things that I enjoy and, and I do a bit of writing as well so there's lots of different facets to what I like to do that seem to give me the perfect blend of 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 of, of what I need um so that was a very long-winded answer but that that's that's oh. in a nutshell who I am I guess yeah, it's so relevant. And thanks, Emma, because you know, the honesty of um, saying, you know, listing all those things, which, you know, quite frankly, a lot of people at home will be listening, going, oh, my God, she does all that stuff. You know, how can she not have um, uh, bulletproof confidence? But then to, you know, openly admit that that's not the case. Um, but also, you know, I don't know if you describe it in these terms, but it sounds like, you know, that point where you found women's health, it sounds like you found your tribe. And then, yeah. In Gronya, you found the person in that tribe who I just wrote it down. You said she makes me think, she challenges me, she inspires me. <laughs> Emma's yeah. holding up a heart for Gronya. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Let, let's come back to that. But those those yeah. three things making me think, making me uh, challenging me, and inspiring me. That's maybe they're not the go to things you would automatically think of when when you think, oh, this is a conversation about um, women lifting each other up, but goodness me I think that's a huge part of it yeah I to follow you too jeepers <laughs> I think you'll be fine Gronia. No, I think you'll be right. <laughs> so I'm my name's Gronia Donnelly and I'm an advanced physiotherapist and I'm based in Northern Ireland in the UK and I think that's one of the funny things because me and Emma do so much work together but we live nowhere near each other and <laughs> um, and I guess now you're reflecting on how you've introduced yourself and your journey and some of those, I suppose, obstacles you've come across along the way. I've always felt like a bit of a black sheep at times in my profession, particularly when I started out. And I knew that I knew that I, I initially went into physiotherapy thinking I wanted to be the next sports physio. So that's what drew me into it. And I didn't even realize that physio involved hospital stuff. Like I was so naive and honest to gosh, I, I was grew up with tunnel vision. And I remember going to university and being like, they're talking a lot about hospitals here. But I didn't particularly enjoy certain aspects of it. I liked it, but it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to be for me certain aspects of physiotherapy and I actually was still convincing myself that I wanted to do musculoskeletal physiotherapy and I kind of because that seemed to be the trendy thing to want to do and that's what all my peers at the time wanted to do I had said to myself this is where I want to go I want to get my rotations done I want to um, specialize in musculoskeletal and one of my rotations I got sent to the maternity hospital we were just rostered down automatically and I tried to swap out with everybody <laughs> nobody would swap out and it was such a laughing point that I was going to the maternity hospital for six weeks or for six months and that was my turning point so this was before I was married had kids anything like that I was very young in my career and I decided that I really liked this area it was it just was musculoskeletal but for a taboo area and I felt we could do a lot to help people 
And when I kind of started to think about specializing down that area, again, I got a lot of slagging for that. I got a lot of, not resistance, but people thought it was very funny that I was going into this area. And it would have been easier for me to go, no, actually, I'm going to still stay like a sheep and follow everybody else and do what they want to do. But I knew that wasn't for me. So I went against the grain and went into pelvic health. But I just always did feel like I was a wee bit like the black sheep. But I'm glad I did now because this is the area that I do really, really enjoy and love. But I think that black sheep aspect, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this as it goes on. I think that black sheep aspect comes out at times because I do feel in our profession, you need to find your tribe and you're looking to find like-minded people who are supportive because a lot of the times I do feel like people by nature don't seem to like to support people I think there's a real competitive streak in people there's a real cut people down and I probably in my upbringing don't understand that because I'm like you just you just support people you you champion people so I don't actually understand the mentality of not doing that and then that's when I feel like a black sheep again when people are not supportive so that's my snapshot um, introduction mm. Mm. yeah definitely let's thanks Gronian let's pick up on the black sheep thing. Cause I mean, one thing language is so important, isn't it? One thing I noticed in that is um, you clarified at the end there that you were describing something that you felt not particularly happy with. Um, and when you say people are competitive, you know, let's be honest, we're talking about clinicians, aren't we? Clinicians can be competitive. And yet your immediate thing is to turn that on yourself and make you a black sheep. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that, again, is I think a lot of human nature is to make the problem about you and challenge yourself. When I suppose, reflecting back on it, I know the decisions I've made have been the right decisions for me. And I know that I've enjoyed where they have taken me. And even the collaboration, like meeting Emma um, was such a random thing. We often say that we're, it's a good job we don't live closer to each other because um, <laughs> we'd probably never get any work done. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just one of those people who you kind of know but you don't you know what I mean like we knew we kind of just got off on the same vibe um straight away which has always been really good and probably to that point where we're at that stage where we're we are honest with each other and that's probably the type of things like you know we don't just always tell each other what we want to hear we're we're quite good at I suppose telling people how it is which I think is really mm -hmm. important in any working and friendship relationship yeah and that's obviously you know Emma one of the things you particularly um value in in Gronje, you, know, you said she challenges me sometimes more than I I want <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think no I think it's a really good thing I think it's good because relationships evolve you know our Gronje, uh, the relationship Gronje and I have is very different to the relationship we had when we first met um and you almost put up a bit of a a front don't you you know you don't quite let every all the walls down when you first meet someone mm. but you know by by I guess just not coincidence but just through time you know quite a lot's happened to me in the past few years since I've been friends with Gronya um some quite big personal things and if I'd ever, and I would probably wouldn't have done, but if I'd ever mentioned those at the beginning, she might have thought, oh my goodness, who is this woman? <laughs> um, whereas as, as time's gone on, you know, you start becoming not just a, a colleague, but you do become a friend. You do start saying, you know, this very morning, I text on you and I said, oh my goodness, 
I'm not going to have much conversation, I don't think, for this podcast recording because I've just um, had some bad news. And, you know, amazing. The first thing she said to me was, oh, that's awful. She knows the history behind it. And the first thing she said was, shall I just take this? Shall I I just do this on my own? And and I would never, ever let someone down that that late notice. Um, And I would never expect for her to do that. But deep down, I know I could if I really wanted to. And that's that's where a working relationship becomes really powerful because you can't you know when you know you can really rely on someone and mm-hmm. I do feel that I can really rely on her and yes she challenges me sometimes she tells me I'm being an idiot or I'm doing this wrong or I'm doing that wrong or how about look let's just go move on to the next project this girl works like no one else you've met as you can well imagine Joe. Um, and sometimes I think I'd like a little rest um, but Gwen is like no we haven't got time for a rest but honestly I would sit back and you know rest on my laurels a little bit more I think if it wasn't for Gronio. so there's so many good reasons that being challenged is helpful um, and sometimes I don't like what she tells me but at the same time you know the good stuff you have to accept the bad stuff with the good stuff as well mm. and hopefully she accepts my bad my badness for my goodness I hope <laughs> of course Emma of course it's not like we're married she's <laughs> <laughs> been cancelling we're not <laughs> yeah no I get that and um Grania you might want to reflect on your own your own sort of views around that challenge but I was just thinking you know I, I've been called have I been called challenging um sometimes called scary which is you scary I cannot imagine in my clinic there are there were three Joes at one point and there was um blonde Joe smiley Joe and scary Joe and I was scary Joe um (laughs) trust me if you met the other two you'd realize they'd set the bar so high that I had no chance of getting over it but um the scary I accept it because for me, my scariness is that I'm so curious about people and I want them so badly to, to do what I see they're capable of that I will challenge them, hopefully in a positive way. But often it's extreme curiosity about what might be there for them and also an absolute passion to, to support them to get to that place. And, and yes, that probably feels challenging at times. And actually, when I that was one of the things I loved when I was um, doing the work with one of many that I suddenly found that there were these women who I created really good friendships with. But, you know, in the midst of a conversation where we were just laughing around and, you know, supporting each other, perhaps do something you, know, like you were saying, Emma, this morning, um, something that happened that you, know, you might find your friends. Oh, God, this thing's happened, you know, and they would support you. And, and then there'd be quite a strong challenge within it you know, along the lines of, okay, so, you know, what's the next step then? And that kind of combination for me of, yep, I hear you, that sounds really tough, pause, okay, and now what? You know, that kind of challenge to me is is a really strong, um, a strong relationship and a strong challenge. Yeah, I agree. How, how do you, so, so basically, the, the role that you play is to support um, other colleagues. Um, but who supports you? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a very fair question. Um, sometimes it's other coaches, and I recognise, you know, most people who are coaches recognise that they need a coach as well. Um, and... Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Emma, because, you know, I wanted to do this kind of work for ages, but I thought I had to 
either suffer really badly, a bit like thinking you can't write a novel unless you've you know had some terrible life scenario to draw on, um, or I had to um, have my life completely together because otherwise who the hell was I to sit here and, and advise other people on their life? Um, and I realized two things. Firstly, that I completely misunderstood coaching um, because you're not there to advise. And in fact, you have to constantly try and um, withdraw your advice. There's a, there's a lovely chap, um, a very experienced American coach, uh, Michael, can't remember his surname at the moment, but he says, beware the advice monster. Um, so, you know, coaching actually is about trying to draw out from somebody, help them find their way through their own struggles and find their own path rather than what you think is the right thing for them and also more on a personal level I just realized that there was never going to be a point where I would be comfortable putting myself out there as some kind of paragon of having my excuse my language shit together because I haven't (laughs) you're human yes I'm incredibly human at times and you know now that now that I'm in that place it feels much, I keep using the word, but it feels much stronger because I don't have to fear being found out that, oh, I, you know, my ki- I never shout at my kids or, um, you know, my husband and I have this you know, perfect relationship all the time or whatever, or even that my career is, is always 100% stable. I don't have to pretend that. And I'm not scared of that coming up because that isn't normal. Um, and from that place, I can comfortably coach because I'm not advising. I'm kind of running alongside. I love that. Can't remember what the question was. Did it answer it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think you did. It's just really well. Yeah, I mean, I just want yeah, just about how, who supports you really. Right, um, yeah. But you, yeah, you answered that because you you use the support of other coaches um, yeah, and, and also friends. I mean, I've always been a um, a friend gatherer. Uh, I don't know where when you're from an early age. My mom and dad used to comment that I was always surrounded by friends, and I think I just had this inherent. Um, understanding that I kind of needed people and and a variety of men and women as well I've always found it really helpful to have um, uh, lots of different people as friends and and I do ask for help Um, not always early enough um, like Mm. everybody and not always in the right places like I have no problem asking for help about personal things with my friends it's taken me a long time as a business owner to understand that I can actually ask for help at work as well you know, my some perhaps some of the people that have worked with me over the years might listen to what I've just said and think, mm, not sure that was always the case at work, Joe, that you were uh, happy to share when things weren't so great there. And it wasn't, it's, it's probably in more recent times that I've realized that even that is okay at the right time. Yeah. I wish I'd had you in my life when I had been a lost physio, really. Um, because I'm interested to know how you would manage someone like me uh, way back. And actually, I'm going to be honest, still now, um, you know, that horrible self-doubt. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Brian? I'm just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that horrible self-doubt, that thought that everyone's so much better than me. I'm a rubbish clinician. I don't want to do this anymore because it's just affecting my confidence inside and outside of work. Where, where do you even go with someone like me? Am I a lost hope? totally I, I'd never take you on Emma I mean from what I've heard quite frankly <laughs> wouldn't even go then <laughs> don't blame me <laughs> no <laughs> extremely common presentation <laughs> oh. is it is it in physio quite a common presentation yeah I mean actually I'm gonna uh, I'm doing 
um, this podcast will probably 24 po podcasts will probably have happened by the time this one goes out but lots of you listening will know that Physio Matters is doing this 24-hour podcast and I've decided to talk about um, some common things that I've um, uh, come across coaching clinicians over the last couple of years and yeah that that feeling that everybody else um, reads more research than them um, is better at business with than them if, if they're in private practice uh, gets all their patients better yeah it's almost endemic I would say and goes with the territory but to answer your question as to where I would go with that um, I mean I won't coach you live on this podcast Emma but um, <laughs> the process would be a little bit of investigation as to you know does this remind you of times in the past at school um, within friendships within other relationships what does it remind you of in your past to just try and create a bit of awareness of that but then I guess the most significant thing about coaching is that you're trying to move someone out of a situation they're currently in which doesn't feel comfortable to somewhere which feels inspiring and better so we would look okay so you know what is it you actually want to move towards and, and get you to describe that and feel that and then come back and say well okay let's let's look at what steps need to be in place and and equally what doesn't need to be there you know what what is serving you and what isn't and you know I'm never going to sit there and just say well don't think that Emma because that's silly and that's not serving you <laughs> and that definitely wouldn't be coaching but helping you find it almost get to the point where okay well if I want that thing that badly this is what I've got to do to get it and, and almost that becomes completely irrelevant and actually that before we came online we were talking a little bit weren't we about Molly's book and and those uh, some of the points she made and and now you reminded me of it Emma Molly mentioned um one of the one of the tips that she gives people is basically to sort themselves out before they um think about collaborating um she was talking about with other women but you know that really hit home for me this idea that um and you guys give me your opinions in a minute but I think collaboration, particularly between women, is an extremely tricky area. We all give a hell of a lot of lip service to it and we all claim to want it. And when we get in it, it often goes a bit wrong. And it and it's quite upsetting, isn't it? Because it should be, society tells us, our natural place as, you know, the go back to prehistoric times, we're the ones about communication. Our greatest fear is being thrown out the tribe. We're going to do everything we can to stay within it. And yet sometimes it gets really uncomfortable. Grania touched on competitive nature, and I really agree that that is a trait within clinicians or particularly physios as we all are. I don't know. What, what do you two, do you have any views on that, that idea of collaboration and women? I think what you said about lip service is definitely something I see. I see... If particularly with social media in this day and age everyone's shouting about the fact that they support other people and that they um really have it back and they love to see other people do well but in the reality of it the more I have been in this world the more I see that it it's not as genuine as the message that's been put out and I just do see time and time again where people nearly resent other women doing well I I honestly it baffles me and um, mm. people just hate to see other and it's it's probably an inert it's more a reflection on their lack of being settled that they're not the one doing whatever it is mm. but like the world's a big place and everyone can follow and their dreams and do what they want to do and 
one of the things that's really lost on me is that a lot of the times when any of us females or our peers do well, I wish people could see it for what it is and the fact that it actually reflects really well on all of us. Mm-hmm. So it's a win for the women, it's a win for the tribe, it's a win for all of us. So mm-hmm. the, that idea of being genuinely happy and um, supporting someone's success should be the case because it actually has positive implications for all of us in that mm. and I wish that that was more of the mainstream message getting out there um how do you feel about it Emma oh exactly the same and it's something that is is a is one of certainly something we discuss a lot um Gronio and myself you know it is a challenge because it does kind of it it taints your achievements you know there is this I've certainly seen it more so. I mean, I've only very much dabbled in academia. Gronje's heading that way much more so, but it, it's happening in academia as well. You see it, and, and there's these competitive um, tribes, if you like. And the complexity of that is if, if actually, if we were all working collaboratively, we would get much stronger messages across to the people we serve our patients let's be honest I mean I'm certainly in this to improve women's care and health and welfare um and yes I use social media for example as a, as a medium to do that but I don't make quite brilliantly money. I should say <laughs> from oh, what I see. <laughs> oh, thanks thanks um but I don't make any money on it um I I I, I do it because I as, as well as of course I want to promote my business um, and, and the work that I do I do it because I'm sick to death of hearing in clinic these poor women who have been putting up with these symptoms for far too long I've just done a recent reel where it's literally you know it's, it's things that we all hash out all the time but just shouting out about the fact that it isn't it's okay if you've had pelvic floor dysfunction for seven years um you can still get treatment there's still this um you know this message um that i hear from women in clinic oh well i'm seven years postnatal or I'm, I've, I've been leaking urine for seven years I, I presume i can't do anything about it and these are really simple messages um that we should be getting out there as professionals um to say hey no that's not okay and you can get treated at any point at any time and we're here to help you but sometimes there is a little bit of backlash when you have your face out there and you're doing all of these things and it comes from a really good place while you're doing these things but sometimes some of the comments you read or the the underlying um messages um aren't positive from not you know not just other colleagues or clinicians um but the audience that you're serving and that that's really difficult because then you start thinking oh maybe I won't bother then (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe what I'm what I'm doing isn't isn't right and I think Gronje and I have seen that a lot we had you know we had some really lovely success with our return to running guidelines and and I've got to say that the response has been in general just incredibly powerful and positive and really exciting but there has been a few little um occasions where we've we've had some negative um responses competitive responses and that's just really sad because actually I would say Gronje and I just want to work with anyone collaboratively to promote the messages we're trying to get out there so I I do sometimes think 
if we focus less on comp competition and more on collaborating with each other, genuinely collaborating with each other, we would achieve what we've all set out to do. And that's to change and improve the health of, in our, in our case, women. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I struggle with it. It massively affects my confidence and it massively affects my want to do what I love doing. Mm. Does, that make, does that make sense? Yeah. What, what would be the difference in the messaging, Emma? If you got um, a response... Um, to something you'd done that was, you know, was received with a competitive edge to it, what, what would it be about those comments that sound competitive rather than collaborative? Hmm. Oh. Sorry, that puts you on the spot a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it's hard oh, to say. You. Yeah. Um, trying to think how I can use an example without over-highlighting it and making anyone aware of yeah it. no definitely not, not a personal <laughs> quote anybody <laughs> well actually there was this one person yeah. there, um, oh goodness that's a really tricky one it I've would be more just the disregard or maybe the because I suppose like the direction and the a lot of the work that Emma and I have been doing we probably didn't realize that collaborating and putting out that's how we met we basically me and Emma we knew each other we were following each other on social media and then when it was I was chatting with Tom Goom and we decided that there was no information for postpartum women he was getting a lot of questions on his courses he didn't specialize in perinatal health and we decided well will we put something out and it was starting as probably we're going to do like a fact sheet or like a blog very casual let's talk about this mm. then we were like Tom had been connected with Emma too so we was like we'll bring Emma along can we and we got that sort and we were like right this is great we're going to do a collaborative approach um, and we started to look into this topic and scope the research and then we realized oh my goodness they're not even studying females never mind perinatal women and um, this is a huge issue and like what are we basing all our information on so it we got into a deeper hole the more we dug um, and we decided you know what you can't just do a simple blog it doesn't do it justice so the guidelines just kind of snowballed and and they developed and we put them out into the public domain because one we wanted to get all the information out and two that was the best medium that we were going to get to use to put them out and they really we probably didn't expect the scale of the response they went international because there's a hunger for this information and mm. there's a lack of information out there and we had done a lot of expert consensus with people before putting them out. So they were done pretty well and robustly, despite not being through the peer review process. So much so that they've been translated into a couple of languages, which is really exciting as well. Oh. But that's what led to our collaborations and getting into research and really opened a lot of doors into, I suppose, the journey we took from there. And we know the impact of the work that we've done. And we know that they were, there's not really a day goes by that we don't get tagged about something to do with them. But it's when sometimes they're basically dismissed or there's some subtle comments to ignore them or, you know, it's just kind of erased the fact that they're there. Mm. And that, I think, is born mm. out of jealousy and maybe people looking to, I suppose, be to fill a space um, and I suppose it's elbows out. Mm. And I Emma mentioned about, you know, it's like people are in a competition. I agree. And I'm and that the laugh of it is I'm like, I'm not entered into a competition. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even in the game. So like, don't compete with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gonnie, you mentioned earlier on your your childhood and, and said that 
well, you you reference your childhood for a reason that it was completely a surprise to you once you entered this this world of clinicians and physios was there anything unusual about your childhood well I'm one of five I'm a middle child Joe I don't know if that from a coach's perspective if you're starting to flag a few things there no, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, a middle child and I'm very much middle children and possibly again that idea of just going and doing what I decide to do even if it's against the grain because I do think there's a sense of the middle child semi rares themselves because um <laughs> not that you're overlooked a little bit but anyway that it was I came up as one of five in a really close family and you know what I had a really happy childhood you know someday I suppose I look back now and I realize how lucky I am because not everybody has a positive childhood experience and I again being quite green and naive to that because um but we were brought up probably just to champion and value other people and I think that comes through like you do all your childhood experiences do help formulate the person you become when you're older um and so much so, and I don't know if it's particularly an Irish thing or a Northern Irish thing, but like, if anything, self-promotion is something that we would have been brought up that you don't self-promote, like, you know, right. you champion other people and so much with so that mom, you know, I would see now, even if people are um, going, oh, I seen about your growing, you're seeing about this and mommy literally belittle it. Oh yeah, yeah, she's just doing a wee thing or, you know, whatever. And that's mm-hmm. just the nature of the job. So you definitely wouldn't get a big head in my upbringing, <laughs> um, but you were definitely brought in that you help people and you elevate people and you support people. And there's that real community aspect. So then I come into this world where people are elbows out and out for themselves and maybe do have a big head. And I'm like, mm. what is this world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for, for you it sounds like collaboration is that shining a light on somebody else and and hopefully expecting that they would do the same for you um and raising raising somebody up so this i have to bring honesty into this and recognize that i i know sometimes i see people's successes and uh bless her felicity i think said exactly these words when i was talking to her about failure she said you know sometimes i see people uh they'll tweet about the fact they've just found the cure for something that we've all been trying to (laughs) treatment program for something some thing we've trying to been sold sold for ages and and there's a little part of me that's just like I so want to be happy for you I really want to be happy for you but I'm not and and I bless it you know I I I can so identify with that and yeah there are times I'm like oh wish I'd done that yes (laughs) oh okay what what can I do now that is that you know is a bit like that and and it kicks in doesn't it and you know you you do well you know maybe I'm tarring you two with a brush which isn't fair but I know personally there is a process I have to go through sometimes like oh okay Joe yeah that's that's an interesting thought going through your head at the moment where's that come from then what's that triggering in you um and I 100% get that you know I'll see something and I'll think oh that was a great idea well done (laughs) damn you for coming up with that but sometimes then you just have to check yourself and say right stay in your lane you you know stay Mm. with what your focus is and I think it helps having a focus as well I don't think you're human surely I, I can't believe that no there's no human on this planet that doesn't get that little bit of damn it if only I thought of that sort of you know Mm. that sort of thing Mm. um lots of people wouldn't admit to it though (laughs) 
<laughs> and I do I do think it's quite a human response when you see someone is has had success and you you want that and you think oh you know what if only I thought of it I mm. think that's I think it's fair it's it's okay to feel like that it's just yeah, what you do with that feeling exactly yeah I was gonna say if it spurs you on then to address something that is in your lane which goes very well with what I was saying about the coaching approach wasn't it once you've decided what your lane is um you know in Grania, I think you um you live that beautifully you you found your lane it was a lane that you had to almost kind of talk yourself that it was okay to be in but once you had you stayed in it um and then you're you're not uh it's not just like every bright shiny thing that everyone else is doing is relevant to your lane but the, I mean, the other thing is I know we talked about when we had that long conversation beforehand how um possibly physio in particular attracts people who have a reasonably competitive approach to life even as you know maybe not necessarily competitive personality but I don't know by the mere nature of just getting into physio school in the first place requires a bit of um you know focus shall we say doesn't it do you think it's any more than other professions is it just that you know this is the one we're in so this is what we see I think you're right that in a lot of um, professions that are quite competitive to get into, they bring people of that competitive nature because you do have to have a little bit of that grit to kind of to mm-hmm. excel or to put yourself forward. Um, and to me, I suppose because a lot of the people I'm exposed to are in the physiotherapy realm, it seems like physio is just toxic with it. But I do think it definitely exists. And sometimes when I talk to other people and be like, oh, my goodness, like sometimes our profession is just actually smothering with competitiveness. People relate to that, even though they're in a different profession and they get exactly what I'm saying. So I do think it exists in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I, I suppose something that I'm trying to get better at is to just nearly kind of yeah to take a different route nearly to bypass and to not give airtime or to not give focus or to not let that sort of behavior impact me and Mm. just to kind of be as you say nearly kind of to be focused on my own goals and what I want to do or what we are doing collectively Mm. um but I don't know if it does have more or perhaps you could look at a different way a lot of people do go into physio because they have the sports view in mind and Mm. I think that usually they're participants in sport to some degree too and I do think that brings a competitive breed of people so Mm. there could be there could be Mm. yeah the competitive breed and also the like I was really sporty but I used to drive uh, tennis was my um sport and I drove my tennis coach mad because he was constantly telling me that I didn't care enough whether I run won the match um and he's absolutely right I didn't um, I damn well cared whether my backhand looked beautiful when I hit it and it felt brilliant <laughs> and it was the best backhand that anyone ever hit. But, you know, if the next shot was a bit rubbish and I lost the game, I didn't care because that backhand was amazing. But I, so I think that, and, and that carries through that, you know, I'm pretty hard on myself on a performance level and I want the things I do to be really good quality, but I don't actually care whether I, win the ultimate prize I don't think Mm. I'm being disingenuous but 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 I think there's quite a lot of that self-drive and and that can be quite exhausting can't it if that's part Mm. of your your makeup and see a lot of that in clinicians I'm laughing because I used to play a lot of tennis Joe I'd play a game of tennis someday I'm a lefty though I'm a high playing me because yeah, because it was they had their game plan sorted out for right-handed people, and then in comes me. Yeah, my people back end would you just love it? You'd be at. I'd love it, please. 
<laughs> All right, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I guess competitiveness is healthy to a point, but but how how do you think we how do we improve its toxicity? How do we stop that happening in in our profession? Because in truth, I don't know the answer to that. So I'm going to pump it, push it back over to you, Joe. Have you any thoughts on that? Well, I love what Grania just said about awareness. You know, I think that's the the first stage is to realize it's happening. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you're the only person you can control. Um, and, you know, Grania just said she sees that stuff out there. So she isn't going to feed it. She's going to see that it's there and, and decide not to put more fuel behind it. Um, and then what I heard in Grania's words were, and then go back to, you know, what was my focus again? Is this relevant? Yeah. If it is, yeah, let's get in conversation with this person, see what I can learn, see what can go on here. Um, if not, just forget it and move on and get back on what, what my you're thing. doing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that certainly isn't the solution for all of it. Um, I, I was thinking, what would we advise um, students, you know, if, if they're, or people newly qualified listening to this we may not be painting the most <laughs> colorful picture of what lies ahead <laughs> um but I, I don't know were you I was trying to think was I was I aware of that or did it bother me early in my career or has it come later um I don't know if you guys would reflect on that I, I don't know to me it felt like the early part of my career was just lots of I need to gather more knowledge and yeah. I need more skills and I need to keep filling this talk up and then I'll be I don't know what okay <laughs> whatever okay was. um I I think then I probably did feel in my lane because it didn't seem to matter so much what everybody else was doing because everyone else was learning as well or I was junior so I wasn't expected to be expert it, it almost feels like this yeah. these problems certainly in my career came in I don't know 10 years in maybe um Maybe I, maybe in my head, I suddenly decided I needed to be something that hadn't been there before. Um, I don't know if you, well, maybe we should address that question. If you were talking to students now, what advice would you give your student self, your newly qualified self? Probably to stick to your guns and to follow your goals, even if they aren't the same goals as the general crowd, because we don't all have to go and do the same thing and the beauty of the physiotherapy profession is that it's so diverse like you you're sitting talking to people who have quite diverse roles in it amongst this podcast so Joe, you've managed to merge two worlds that you love and the work that me and Emma are doing we're doing both clinical and then with kind of other facets to it and even within that me and Emma do slightly different things at times in our own world so it's I think sometimes actually, and I've got this conversation has come up a little bit more because my husband actually was a physiotherapist um, and um, his most recent role was as an extendoscope physiotherapist, first contact physio, but he never was as happy in physiotherapy or he never got as much out of it as I suppose what he would think I get out of it or he would see how content or how I obviously do get a lot of it. I do like it. So we're talking about a lot of the negative stuff, but I get mm. such an amount of reward and mm. I really there's so much give back and there's so much thing that I love about what I do um and so we often discussed over the years where he was like I don't think I get the same satisfaction of things and we put it down to the fact that pelvic health and MSK maybe are two very different worlds because he was like you know what I'm listening to people who are in pain all day um 
you know, they're coming in in pain and then they get better. But when they get better, you're discharging them. So whereas, yes, we're, we're in telephone health, we're dealing with people who are having symptoms. But as soon as you start with that first session, people are just so happy that you are listening about a, a really taboo topic that they have struggled mm. with for so long. And that someone actually wants to listen to this and they understand it. Mm. So from the get go, we get quite we get a reward because that mm. appreciation is there. And when someone gets better, they even if they want to cancel a review or something, they ring up to tell you how thankful they are because now they are dry or they don't have pain with intercourse or whatever the symptoms were. Mm. And there's a huge appreciation. So I probably took that for granted because I went into my career quite young in pelvic health and that's just been my norm. But he was like, I get people complaining about pain. You rehab them and he goes, and then if they cancel, they don't ring me to thank me. They usually go, oh, it just got better. I just mm. woke up and it's better. And they don't often, they don't every time attribute it to thank you for the rehab that you give me. And, you know, so he said that he often doesn't get the satisfying thing. Anyway, long winded version of me telling you he took a career change. He finally bit the bullet. I thought he was having a midlife crisis. <laughs> we were in business together. And I was like, we built quite a nice business here. I don't really understand. Um, and he went into, now I wait to hear this for a laugh. He did a master's. I said, right, do your master's and train up while you're still a physio. So he did it. And I thought that would put him off. <laughs> I did. He did it while he was. In, he did his independent prescribing Say and his injection she's therapy. She challenges <laughs> but he did a master's in computer program and data analysis at the same time and loved it because, as in his words, unlike healthcare, programming is either 100% right or 100% wrong and that's mm. that was his lane he likes that he likes to be no he's like you could spend a couple of days where your code's not working so every day you're 100% wrong then you get that day and you're 100% mm. right yeah, and yeah. everything is good and it's a real buzz so he is now fully left the physiotherapy profession and he is in that but what we discuss quite often is that he's applied when he before he got his job there recently he has been applying and you know putting cvs and the interview and um selection process is very different than in the physiotherapy world yeah and you can have a degree from multiple different backgrounds to go for this one job and you have to show how your skills can be applied rather than just having a bsc honors in physio or master's in physio and you know that they usually like you know physio interviews are very structured and you know that there's buzzwords yeah. and there's certain things it, he was just like, we need to be more diverse. Like, why can't you use your physio degree to apply skills and do X, Y, or Z? And I was like, yeah, that's really true. So I, that's why I've probably felt like I can diversify a little bit more because I've been mm, really inspired by what he's doing mm. in ways. So they're fun fact. Not that for anyone listening to this, you don't have to leave the physiotherapy profession. He was, <laughs> he was, he never liked it to the degree. It, it, when I look back now, I can see, I don't know how I yeah. didn't see this coming sooner. And you yeah. know what? At our age in life, he was very brave to make that jump because you can often think, well, I'm in it this long now and I've really skilled up to the point, yes. you know, I've done so much training that it's too late to leave. Actually, with a successful business as well. I yeah, that's a really brave move to make. It's a brave move because if we're being really honest, like he'll take a step back in even income to follow initially to follow mm. the the world. Whereas we were, when you're running a busy clinic, if you work hard, you can earn well. But he was like, I don't want to work this hard in this profession for the rest of my life. And he's like, mm -hmm. I want to do something different now. So we made the decision to do it, and I suppose it's he's happier. So that's good. It's a great you don't story. think you'll ever go back? No, but I do. Now, this is not, not that I'm in the control group, but I was like, keep your HPC pre-registration. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, no, Kim, Kim, and he was like, I don't need to pay for that. I was like, pay for it. <laughs> pay for it. <laughs> Just in case. But um, 
I thought that I, I was glad that he did it the way he did it. And he trained up while like I was like, do your master's. And if you like it, we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and look, at he got I could see the buzz out of it. Even when he was training, he loved it. it like and I was just like, right, OK, it's not just a case that he thinks the grass is greener and he's found what he wants to do. And it works. And a lot of the skills, actually, he actually got um, in his most recent interview, a lot of the skills that he brings are probably skills born as a physiotherapist in a way like mm-hmm. our communication or ability to relate and read the room and different things like that. So there's a lot of strengths to, that he can bring into it. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm actually really lo- loving analyzing kind of like the transition of this actually and how it's going. <laughs> you know, when I, when I, um, the more I work with clinicians, I, I had this belief anyway, but they just reinforced to me every time this belief I have that, um, sorry, we keep saying physiotherapists, just that the three of us are, but, you know, to be a physio requires such a diversity of skills. And, um, you know, I think the kind of, we've talked about perhaps some of the more tricky traits that um, accompany the type of person that goes into um, healthcare, but equally, I, I honestly believe that most physios could have a blooming good stab at most other professions if they wanted to. They wouldn't be the worst person in the room for most things. And yeah, that, that kind of, yeah we should have that kind of self-belief. And as Gordon says, you don't have to leave the profession. But, you know, if we, we've touched on today how part of being a good collaborator or even just a good person maybe is, yeah. is that kind of comfort with yourself. And I would say, you know, if you... If you've got into physio school, if you even got past that hurdle, you must have a pretty solid set of reliable skills. And you know, if that maybe that's what I'd say to students. If you've got that far, have confidence in what is already there for you. And as Grania says, if if you then want to diversify and you know, find what really make it work for you, mm. but yeah, but keep that self belief because just getting over that first hurdle is, is is makes you a particular type of person. You know what's funny too is that when this um transition, this transition of my husband's came out, <laughs> my in- transition, my yeah. initial thing was like, oh, but like what will people think? And you yeah. know, that was my first that that was my, I suppose in many ways, my weakness was like, what will what did that look like? Like what will people think? And wow. he's like, I don't care. Because he's again in many ways, many of the stuff you're talking about, Joe, I'm like, oh my goodness, Patrick should have went into life coaching or something because if I was having this was in the earlier days when I would have struggled more with the likes of people being maybe not supportive or not collaborative and I couldn't understand this he would very much be like don't they're not your focus don't worry about them or like don't let them annoy you and I was like how can I not let it annoy me it's, I just don't understand how people would be so that's mean and I would never be mean to anyone else and he was like don't worry about it and I was like so you're saying if this situation happened to you you wouldn't be annoyed he's like wouldn't think about it and and I genuinely wouldn't it would not would not stress him one bit um but he again I was like what will people think like you know we've got we've developed a really nice business and then if you take a cream what does that look like and he's like what does that matter what other people think and I was like well it does and then but I finally got there with great he great graduated me into it um, gradually and oh sorry carry on going no I was only just going to say it's funny because reflecting back like why is a lot of our decision making based on societal perceptions like 
because if he hadn't like the decision he made it's a great decision and it's great for all of us you know and it's it's taught me a lot but like if I had been the person who was really like no you can't because you're a physio and that's what you've identified mm-hmm. for as the last 15 years and you don't now turn and change career like that's ridiculous and if I had not supported that that would have been such a shame do you know mm-hmm. what I mean like you know mm-hmm. I look back and think gosh like why wouldn't they like you know the world's our oyster and you know we're here to be happy and we do have like decades of work ahead of ourselves and like you know we can maybe give so much more to the world in different ways but it's easy to get trapped into these boxes nearly where mm. like but you're a physio and that's just it like that's all you are you're a physio mm. Mm. there's a I, I frequently quote a, a physio who said to me once um I feel like a stick of rock cut me open and all you'll see is the word physio <laughs> <laughs> you're right it doesn't have to be like that doesn't. No, it doesn't but without stereotyping do you think that's a, a bit of a female versus male um mindset because my husband's very similar um to to Gronje's. you know when I'm stressing about the competitiveness or oh I'm not doing well enough etc etc um the poor guy (laughs) you can imagine how beaten his brain is with my with my negativity but sometimes sometimes that's that is always his standard response don't worry about it Emma it doesn't matter keep focus your stay in your own lane it doesn't matter what others think it doesn't matter what others say but I sometimes wonder if that's because he's a guy and he can I don't know. He's perhaps not as emotional. And I, I genuinely, I'm not being stereotype here, but I, I wonder, is there a difference in how men and, and women think? Because I, I don't always get the impression and I'm sure I'm going to be, you know, people listening will say how wrong I am. But I don't get the impression that male physios are as competitive as women, oh, physio, female wow. physios. No, am I wrong? Well, I don't know. I sometimes follow the MSK world on Twitter and it is absolute, (laughs) like, it is just like, sometimes that's, oh my goodness. That's brutal. Actually. (laughs) So basically I'm wrong. (laughs) I I don't think, I think you're both right in that context. And and I, just to add balance, my husband is, is, um, sorry Ian to air this. (laughs) He is, uh well he's emotionally um aware and um intelligent and yeah we 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 don't fit particularly into typical um gender roles I don't think and and actually Grania when you were talking just now I noticed you used the words you said society um gives us this impression and Ian's always pulling me up for using the word patriarchy too much and, and I get it because I think women you know, we, we know what we mean by the patriarchy and, and we also know these days it's a lazy shorthand term for a societal um, set of, oh, what's, I'm going to get stumble over my words, but it's kind of a societal move that women buy into as much as men sometimes. And, and, and I also remember when we first started talking that we said, oh, let's have this conversation, um, you know, that came out of strong women, but in the clinician world, I, I, I in my clinic there are men and women and I see amongst the male physios the whole spectrum of mm. personalities and some that you might class as typically more female traits and and some more alpha male and um yeah I, I think it I think you see all of it in I, I think there's more of a clinician stereotype maybe rather than a male female stereotype but then there's 
there's extremes of that as well and then you know the alpha comes into um to the clinician world as well I was I was gonna you know sort of as we move towards the end of the podcast um gonna ask you both if you feel things are changing because I um I shouldn't answer the question before I ask you but you know, people are people often say to me in coaching I'm really worried about social media and specifically I'm worried about Twitter um with yeah. physiotherapy and we all know that you know Twitter wars can get absolutely brutal and unbearable um but I have to say I I been fairly new to Twitter but I also I see a, quite a nice thread coming through as well from male and female clinicians and I don't know I sort of sense that there's a big swathe of us that want the same thing and are starting to be a bit more vocal I don't know what your experience is yeah. with I think you have to pick your tribe with with social media and delete delete the negativity I, I personally don't I, I'm on Twitter but I don't get too involved because because I'm nervous of it I'm Mm. nervous of expressing my views and the response I'll get and I think people have you know lots of physios male physios as as well as female physios have got very strong views um and I don't necessarily agree with everything I hear but I I I don't have the confidence to to share my views for fear of you know having the comments I don't want to hear um Mm. so I think for me, I mute those, you know, I, I still, I still read those views, but I, I mute them. I don't, I don't interplay with them, but that's just where I'm comfortable. And I think I do the same with Instagram, to be honest, if, if it's an, if it's a negative feed, um, I unfollow it. Mm. Um, because, you know, you, you create what you see on social media and if it's all negative, it's, it's, it's blooming draining and it's, it's, it's toxic Mm. um so I think you have to be you know you have to as as you pick your face-to-face and online tribes you have to pick your social media tribes and and look out for your own welfare with with all of that um but the plus side certainly for Twitter my goodness the amount of information and up-to-date research information you can get Mm. at the drop of a hat is incredible I think it's brilliant um and the same thing with Instagram it's an amazing um platform to network with some really cool people so it's opened up the world to us in so many mm-hmm. ways but of course there's always a negative to something that's very positive as well so you just have to be quite you know look out for yourself and be mindful of of, of who you're following and and how you're commenting mm, yeah absolutely yeah I'd agree with that I think it's about finding it's about surrounding yourself with the like-minded people Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I've learned over the years is just to kind of just not engage with people who that's not the way I see things Um, and I think that's relevant and also to remember that social media and things are only a snapshot in time most likely of someone's best angle or filtered angle whether that's through a message or whether that's through a picture Um, it's not real life and even things today, like many, if any of you are like following, even say Emma, like you have said about even about, you know, at times you struggle with uh, confidence or imposter syndrome. But if you wouldn't if know you, it, you wouldn't Instagram. know what that's what I mean, like mm-hmm. because and, and people you're so inspiring and you have so many strengths and so much to give and offer. But there's something really nice 
about hearing that human side of things and that like oh my goodness like because for anyone listening to this who is having the same sort of doubts themselves it's like oh my goodness well she has these sort of feelings and look at how successful she is so I can do that too you know and it gives people the I suppose the confidence maybe to follow their goals so I think that's lovely 100 percent. remember social media smoke and mirrors you know we can all put on a, a social media face um, I can't I'm still I'm still trying to learn my <laughs> trying to create your social media face. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know it is it's not all what it seems and you know everyone's or lots of people on there are full of self-doubt and I think it's really important not to put people on social media on a platform you know a pedestal sorry as well you know we're all doing what we're doing to get a positive message across to hopefully improve the health of, of men and women. Um, and some of us have, have mastered that more because we've put more time into it than others, but it's something that all of us can do if you've got a little bit of time to put aside mm. um, and don't compare. That's a really important thing to do. Um, and, you know, I think reach out to people that you like on social media as well and see if they want to do collaborative work with them. Cause you know, you know we're all human we're quite open to doing that um but don't put them on a pedestal because you know it's lovely that's you know I've, for example I've got quite a few followers on Instagram doesn't definitely doesn't make me any better than than anyone else who's maybe got 10 or 15 followers on Instagram um so followers don't make you the best physio the best person out there um and so you know I I'm always I'm always a bit blown away when people say oh my goodness you're amazing and I think well no I'm not doing anything you're different to what you're doing I just put a bit more time onto my social media than maybe you do I think you're um underplaying that a bit Emma and I think you have to recognize your strengths too because like we're talking about (laughs) Joe had mentioned earlier about you know physios could often apply themselves to so many other sectors or things like you are very good in that Instagram, in that social media, in that public eye, like you could have easily been in media in, you know, because your strengths there, like, and their things, their qualities and strengths. So they're not things to belittle and say that everyone could do that because everyone can't. Some people are just clunky behind the camera and they just can't, you know, it's just, that's a strength. So I think you have to master that too. It, it, but it's strengths and diversity on top of, physio it's yeah. it's what you can bring to it and that that's huge mm, I agree and I, I think that would be my final word as well that collaboration when it truly works is in the nicest possible way there's something in it for both of you like you collaborate yeah. with someone who shares your views but brings something that you haven't got to the table which you two are an absolutely brilliant example of um and almost then collaborations are no-brainer isn't it so it's not somebody saying oh I like what you've got and I want a piece of it um, and I'm going to hang off you it's I agree with you on on your basic foundations and this is my take on it and this is what I can bring to it and, and that that feels a really strong um, comfortable collaboration and that's what it's all about yeah <laughs> we could go on couldn't we shall we wrap it up there yeah <laughs> oh I've loved that that just felt like a lovely coffee with both of you I know it's just a natural conversation (laughs) I kind of forgot we were recording there it's it's nice I always like conversations gap they're just authentic good chat and Joe you're very good you're a good chatter I like good I like your chat (laughs) I love your chat and I love your background as well (laughs) yeah you went away and we were like oh my goodness she's got a lovely stage background it's beautiful (laughs) you know we are still recording oh yeah we have (laughs) 
That's okay. you like my background. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, I, I so am nice going to stop recording now. <laughs> Take Bye. care. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you too. Bye. Bye. What a great conversation with two fantastic women. I really enjoyed that. And um, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, You may have agreed with some or all of what we've said. I expect you disagreed with some or maybe all of what we said. Um, I'd be really interested to hear from you, whether you are a man, a woman, clinician, patient. Um, There's there's all sorts of angles to come at the, the issues of competition, collaboration, Um, and and how that works for different people. So if you want to get in touch with me, um, either to comment on this episode or to investigate coaching, then please do contact me via the Mehab channels. You can look on the website www.mehab.co.uk. If you would like to contact Gronya or Emma, then you can access them via the At Your Cervix um, podcast, or we will put their contact details in the show notes. So as ever, let us know what you thought. Um, Tune in for the next episode. And if you are a busy male or female clinician trying to be all things to all people all day, every day, then take a break, stop, breathe, because you matter.